Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. Today I want to just share with you, uh, I want to use the, the Christmas story a little bit to just echo back into our own lives. And, and I pray in the next 20 minutes or so, that by the end of this, we can walk out of here having a bit of an internal self-audit. Can we do that? Um, you know, so often we come and, and the preacher preaches and we have an order of the person beside them. Uh, but let's not think about someone beside you today. Let's have an internal audit of us, our lives, where we fit in this and how we go through this journey. I want to use the, the Christmas story and people's responses to Christ that we, that we see recorded in this Christmas story. And, and then let's parallel that with me. Let's parallel that with us. Parallel that with our journey and how we walk through this and how we can respond. Uh, you know, most houses, uh, are similar to mine, have two ends of the house. We have that part of the house where everything that's important is placed so that we can see it every single day. Uh, if, if you're a, a, a fan of Aussie movies and you're old like me, you would know the movie The Castle. We've got any people that know The Castle? All the young people in the room don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, but all the old folks like me, we remember the castle. If you don't, go and Google it, watch it later on. It's probably on Netflix, I'm sure it is. And uh, go and watch the castle because it was such a powerful movie, awesome, great Aussie movie. Uh, in the castle, uh, when any, whenever something cool would happen, like the wife would make a mug for the husband, he'd say, that's going straight to the pool room. It was a place in the house where everything cool goes, where everything that they want to remember, want to see goes. Can we describe that first image? This is my pool room. This is my house. I took this photo this morning before leaving home. Uh, that there is a King uh, Threadfin Salmon. It's an Australian record uh, Threadfin Salmon that's been cast and moulded in fibreglass mould. Uh, there's a whole bunch of coral. Um, over here, there's, that's a jaw of a fish that I glued back together. Um, there's some nice coral here. Right here, you can't see it really well. There's some tags out of fish that I've speared that had tags in them. That there is actually uh, the backbone and top top fin of a barramundi. Um, up here in this skull is um, the ear bones of mulloway jewfish. There's about uh, 200 sets of um, mulloway ear bones there. Some trophies up the top from our spearfishing club. Um, that's abalone shells. This here uh, is a marlin bill. That there is a sailfish bill. This here is the pride and joy of the pool room. I'm a Cronulla supporter. Uh, my kids gave me for Christmas um, when Cronulla won the grand final a couple of years ago. After 50 years of being in the competition, they finally won the grand final. My, my sons gave me that for, for Christmas that year, and it sits out the front. Uh, this here is actually a uh, pack of cards that uh, was given to me just recently by... Uh, a family um, in our community. The kids come to church and the father's had non-Hodgkin lymphoma and I've been going to visit him in hospital. He doesn't come to church. I've just been going to visit him and hanging out with the family a little bit. Uh, he gave me a pack of cards, uh, Cronulla Sutherland playing cards, and on the back it says, uh, best player on field, Pastor Tim McDonald. Um, so these are all things that, are, that matter to me. They're, they're, I, I know for some of you that might look like your back shed because of things that you don't care about at all. Uh, Cronulla is usually one of those things. A couple of years ago, I went to, my son wanted to buy a, a Broncos jersey. 
unfortunately he was born in Queensland, so he's a Queensland supporter. And even worse, he's a Broncos supporter. Uh, which this year they got the best prize. They got the wooden spoon. Congratulations to the Broncos supporters in the room. Uh, my son wanted to go and buy a Broncos jersey. So we went down to um, the, the, the sports store and he gets his Broncos jersey. And I was just looking around. I'm like, I can't see any Cronulla jerseys. And I asked the guy, oh, where's the Cronulla jersey? He's like, oh, mate, we don't keep them in stock. No one ever wants to buy a Cronulla jersey. Um, but uh, that's my pride and joy right there. That's my pool room. Now, can we bring up the second image? That's my back shed. Uh, any volunteers to clean it out? Maybe the interns come down. and uh, That's my back shed. You can see my swag from when I uh, went away camping a couple of weeks ago. Um, there's some fishing rods laying all over the place, some spears and my spear guns up there. Um, there's a quad bike that's not working at the moment. Uh, right down the back corner, my auntie uh, left me, uh, my great auntie, like 20-something years ago, left me a, um, a, a set of drawers. They're somewhere over the back that you can't really see. Um, there's some tools. There's lots of tools in there. Uh, there's a bunch of those tools. You know the tools that you buy? The men in the room know what I'm saying. You know those tools you buy? You need just once. So you definitely go to Bunnings because it's going to be cheap and it's probably going to break after you use it that just once, which is what happens usually with Bunnings tools. But you keep them anyway, you know. They're in, in the back of the shed, in that back corner over here, there's a whole bunch of those tools. Uh, there's some broken hammers in there. There's heaps of screwdrivers that, you know, the, the tip busted off. I don't know why we keep that stuff, but we still do. We still keep it. That's my back shed. That's where everything that doesn't matter stays. Uh, I, I just went in there the other day to get the Christmas tree out, you know. Uh, anyone else pull their Christmas tree out already? Uh, you know, open the box of the Christmas tree, the cat comes running out. I'm like, oh, there's a cat being packed in there since last Christmas. You know, everything you don't want's in the, in the back shed, you know what I'm saying? You know, the story of Jesus, the story of Christmas has a pool room and a back shed. We see this in this story. And in fact, if you, if you go to, uh, to your Bible and you, you begin to read through the story, you'll see it clearly and see it evidently. And we start in Luke chapter 2. And uh, in Luke chapter 2, it's a story of, of Joseph and Mary coming up and, and going to Bethlehem uh, to, to sign on and, and say, hey, yeah, I'm a part of this family here. And they get to the place here in, in verse 7. It says that the days were ready for her to give birth and she brought forth a firstborn son. And that son was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger because there was no room for Jesus in the inn. Here in this story, they're, they're traveling, so they need somewhere to stay. She gives birth to Jesus, not in the pool room, not in a hospital, but in the back shed. I can just imagine this innkeeper. If he had known that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was about to be born, I'm sure he would have evicted somebody out of their room and stuck Jesus in the inn. He wasn't sure of, of the importance of the moment, what was about to happen. Again, again that innkeeper was so, so far away from the power of that. He, he didn't realize that, in fact, the time that we understand revolved around this moment. So he's like, you know what? There's no space. You can go out to the back shed. That's the only space I've got for Jesus. 
that's the only space I've, I've got for him right now in my life. Now, honestly, if we parallel our journey, our walk, our, our relationship with Jesus, every now and then, we're a little like this with Jesus in our lives. Sometimes Jesus ends up in the back shed of our journey, the back shed of our walk. I know in my life at times, I, I've been walking with Jesus vitally. He's been forefront of my life, but there's been other seasons where Jesus has been like that tool I used once. I'm just going to keep it away in the back shed just in case I need it down the track. Or, or Jesus has been like my Christmas tree. I pulled it out at Christmas and it's there and I'm celebrating at Christmas and hopefully this is not you in the room, but December ends, we're back into a new year and I'll be back at church next December. Pack it away, back in the back shed of our lives. We can be so like this with Jesus. Instead of him being forefront and alive and a key part of our lives, we can pack him away. We can hide him away back in the, in the back shed of our lives, back with the other things that we just put away. There's a bunch of reasons we do this. Sometimes if I look at my own life, there's been times when I've been so busy with work and, and, and making money, busy with, with that aspect of busyness in our lives, we get so focused on everything we're doing that we almost forget about Jesus and we just leave him where we dropped him last. He ends up in the back shed because we're so busy doing. We're so busy being busy. We're so busy making money. We're so busy involved in business that we forget about Jesus, the source of every blessing that we actually have for our lives. You know, sometimes it can be just self and pleasure and the things that we do get to this holiday period and sometimes we holiday from Jesus can I say if you're holidaying in, in this period of time please holiday with Jesus please have a holy day where you stop and you have Jesus as center of your life if you want to make sure you come back from holy days holidays refreshed make sure they are genuine holy days where in your holidays you're pulling out the word of God you're leaning into the presence of God you're playing some worship around your life you're actually leaning into what God's doing. Sometimes we get so caught up in self that Jesus gets left behind. We come back from holidays and we're like, oh, that's right, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. You know, sometimes ministry, serving God can make us so busy that we forget to walk with God. I don't know about you, but I know in my journey of serving God, there's been seasons when I've been so busy serving God I forgot to reach into the source, who is God, the one that strengthens me, enables me, empowers me, brings life to me. We get so caught up in doing for Him, we forget about Him. We put Him back in the, in the back room of our lives and we forget to stop and say, Jesus, come with me, be alive with me as I'm serving you. You know, we've seen over the past months, some of our great heroes of faith have failings in their journey. I heard a quote from Carl Lentz as he said this. He said, I got so much serving God, busy serving God, that I just started serving him on empty. He said, the outcome was just a mess in my world and a mess in my life. And sometimes we can just be serving God. We forget that he is the source of the power to serve him. Sometimes we can just get complacent in our journey. I've been walking with God for a long time. Now, I look around this room and I think some of you look like you may have been walking with God even longer than me. Not because, oh, that's dangerous. Let's keep going. 
because I know you and I know you've been serving God a long time. That's the safest thing I've got to say right there. You know, sometimes in walking with God for a long period of time, we just get complacent in it. We do it in marriage, we do it in relationships, and we definitely do it in our faith. We get so complacent in walking with Jesus, we just forget that we need to be vitally leaning into Jesus. We need to be vitally leaning into who He is and what He does. You know, we, we don't throw our faith away, but it's not that same vital living thing that we're putting in the pool room of our life every day. It's sort of just packed away. Packed away in just living and doing and being comfortable with it. Being comfortable without it is what happens sometimes when we're just complacent in our faith. Also, I think sometimes one of the things that can make us put Jesus into the back room of our lives, in, in, in the back shed, is religion. Sometimes our form, our spirituality is in the pool room, but our real relationship with God is existing in the back shed. Sometimes as Pentecostals, we have our Pentecostal belief systems pool room, but our vital walk with the Holy Spirit every day, transforming and moving on the inside of our heart, that's in the back shed. You know, sometimes our, our, our form of, of music and, 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 and worship, contemporary worship is, is right there in the pool room, but our actual interaction with God during that is in the back shed. Religion gets in the pool room and our spirituality, our, our genuine faith and walk with Jesus Christ is hidden away. We've got to be so careful in those aspects of our world. I know in my own life, sometimes I've been so strong about style of worship, how we do church. I forget about why, who, who I'm interacting with. Back shed, we put Jesus there. If we go into Luke, we see a whole different response and you already shared that with us so well, that beautiful story of, of some shepherds in fields and, and, and the angels come and they declare that, that Jesus has been born. I don't know why these shepherds deserved an encounter like that. I've thought on that often. I wondered if there was one of them, a young guy that's been just fasting and praying, saying, God, I want an encounter with you. I want to just know you in a powerful way. And all of a sudden, down come these angels and go, ah, Jesus is here. Check this out. And everyone else sort of got caught up in, in this young guy's passion. I don't know what it was that made that happen. But these guys had an encounter that is just incredible. But it wasn't just the encounter, it was their response. A, a man has already shared that. It's that powerful response to what actually happened right there. They, they heard. But they didn't just hear. Isn't it incredible how often we can have an encounter and we can hear, or we can sit through a message and we can hear. But they didn't just hear. They didn't just sit there and go, wow, angels. Oh, wow, uh, the King of Kings has been born. That's cool, high five. Let's go home and have afternoon roast. That's not what happened there. They heard, they were activated, and they ran. Luke shows us that they didn't just get up and go, let's go and see where he is. They, they ran. They ran to find Jesus. When was the last time we got up and we, ran into the house of God? When was the last time we got up and we ran 
into worship. Now, I, I know we're dignified people and we're coming to church. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, brother. I, I know that's how we like to be. But there's something powerful about passionate people that would run to find Jesus. Their response isn't just to walk. Their response isn't just to be there. Their response is to run in and find what's going on. Where's Jesus? Where's the King of Kings? Where's the Lord of Lords? The heart attitude was a powerful thing. These guys weren't anything special. They were shepherds in a field. But they run to find Jesus. They run to encounter him. They run to see what's going on. And then from there, they ran out and they told everybody else, check out what we've seen. We've seen Jesus. These are passionate guys. They're engaged. To make Jesus in the pool room of our life, we've got to make sure that we're not just hearing. We're activated. We're running to see him. We're running to engage with him. I, I trust at the end of 2020 we get to a place even at the end of this message that we say i want to be activated like that i want to be running to jesus running to who he is running to what he's doing around our lives running to be engaged continually engaged in his presence engaged in him making sure we keep him in the pool room of our life a pastor uh was sitting down and speaking with a bunch of young christians in a in a new Christian style course and he was asking them the question and he asked them this, what is true worship? One young man who, who English wasn't his first language responded by saying this. He said, uh, I think I know, but I may not be able to say it so that others can understand it. He says, before I knew my saviour, I used to go late to church. Now I love to go real early, sit quietly, Think about Jesus and his great love for me. Then this young man said with tears running down his cheeks, Oh, I love him because he loves me and because I love him, I want to do all that I can to please him. You know, that's pool room living. I, I walked in the early service this morning. I got here at like 8 o'clock and it started 8.30. There were people already sitting in their seats, already there, ready for church to start I said to him I, I know you probably thought it started at 8 o'clock and you're sitting there early but take the compliment right there now they're ready prepped there's a power in that power in preparing ourselves just to be in the presence of God running to it there's a power in not just expecting that presence of God to come on a Sunday as well there's a power in Monday through to Saturday having our own encounter with Jesus Christ being hungry to do that, being hungry to spend time in his presence, being hungry before we live a life to open his word, be hungry to let him speak to us, be hungry to make sure that we're running to the presence of God around what we do every day. Matthew tells the story of some other people and their journey. If we go in the book of Matthew, it talks to us about wise men coming to see Jesus. Now, theologians and historians tell us these wise men come from the east they they come from babylon they, they weren't men and women of god they were babylonian wise men that had heard of a coming king through another guy that had been in babylon hundreds and hundreds of years earlier his name was daniel 
Daniel had been there. And in fact, if we read the book of Daniel, he prophetically speaks about a savior that is to come. In fact, he even tells those wise men and tells us the time that he was to come. And crazy thing that wise men from the east would know because of Daniel's words that Jesus was to come, yet the actual religious people of the day completely missed it. It's incredible. You go in the book of Daniel, you see prophetically he laid out the exact timing that Jesus was to come. It's amazing. These wise men, hundreds of years later, had passed on from generation to generation, there's a king to come. These were the kingmakers. These were the guys that would come and say, here's your new king. Now they're turning up saying, where is the king of the Jews? Where is he? Let us see him so that we can come and worship him. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 9 to 11, it says they depart after speaking to King Herod and saying, where is this guy? Where is this, this, this king of the Jews? And it says they come and they look and they see the star that went before them again in the east, verse 10, and they rejoiced with exceeding joy. And when they'd come to the house, they saw the young child and Mary, his mother, listened to their response. They fell down. They worshipped him. They opened their treasures and they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This is pool room living. This is pool room Jesus. This is making sure Jesus is the forefront. It says they come, they fell down, they worshipped him. You know the word worship in the, in the Hebrew and in the Greek isn't the word to sing. It's not that. In the Hebrew and Greek, both of those languages, to worship means to lay yourself down prostrate, uh, prostrate, not prostrate, prostrate. Prostrate, there's an R in that, just to be clear. Lay yourself down, let's just say, before Jesus. In fact, if we go in the Greek, it, there's also an implication there that it's also to kiss that thing of which you are worshipping to give your absolute all, to lay it down in a sign of surrender and adoration. It says that they came and they laid themselves before Jesus and they worshipped. Then they brought gifts, powerful gifts, beautiful gifts, gifts of their best, gold, frankincense and myrrh. They didn't come and, and, and you know, give a pack of undies some socks that most likely you're going to get in the coming weeks. You know, the, the gifts that you go, thanks, mate. Not those ones. They come and brought their best. Pool room gifts. Not back shed gifts. Pool room gifts. Gifts that mattered. They fell down. They worshipped. That's pool room living. That we'd come and we'd worship. You know, sometimes our worship's wrapped up in, I've got a hand up, Jesus. My arm's getting a little tired. I'm going to double hand it for two minutes, Jesus. Here I go. That's our worship. We feel like we brought our best. These guys didn't do this. They traveled for months. They followed a star. They listened to a prophetic utterance from hundreds of years earlier. They came carrying their gifts. When they found the star, they rejoiced. They worshiped. They gave the gifts. Here it is. This is worship. It sometimes just blows away our meager excuse for worship. Jesus speaking in Matthew 6, he said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
You know, my message today is a self-audit one. I look at my life, I know there's been seasons in 2020 where my worship has been vital. It's been gold, frankincense and myrrh worship. It's been throwing myself on the feet of Jesus worship. It's been kissing Jesus worship. But I know in this year that's been tough, that's been challenging, that's been frustrating. I know there's been times when that worship has been just backshed worship. Now I've come into moments, maybe online, just like, oh, doing this again. I'm blaming sick of this. You guys came back to like physical church six weeks before me. I tell you, there's been times when my worship was frustrated worship. It's just like, oh, I've got to do this. This is killing me. Looking at you guys actually back here already on your social media, angry, jealous, hating on you all. This, my my self audits outward because I'm I'm here with the microphone. You can keep it inward today if you like. You don't have to tell me what you're feeling about all of that. There's times when my worship wasn't its best. wasn't all that I had. It was you know sitting back and little bit missing what was going on sort of worship I pray at the end of this message that we self-ordered ourselves God where do I fit into this am I pool room in this thing is it sitting there next to my Cronulla picture or is it in the back shed next to my, my messed up swag that's just been sitting there for a couple of weeks where's it at where's it at am I sitting in pool room worship today and my back shed worship. I, I pray that in these moments that we can think on this, pray on this. Where do I fit in this? How's my life in this? Thank you for listening. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We encourage you to tell someone about your decision and pray and read the Bible every day. We also recommend attending a church in your local area. We have many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We are so excited to see you there.